Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter 4, that's where we're going to be this morning. And listen, last week was super fun to know that you guys were worshiping and praying. I listened to the service online, and thank you so much for welcoming Brian and welcoming so many educators last week for investing in prayer. Would you keep praying? need to be a church, we can be a church who is invested in praying for the next generation and uh, that, that last week wouldn't be a one-off, but it would be an example of one step in creating a culture of prayer within Good News Church. So we're going to be in First uh, Peter chapter 4 and we're going to be looking at verses 7 uh, through 11. Now listen, I- I'll tell you that I am the least likely person to be standing on this stage today. Listen, when I was 12, 13, you know, in middle school, I had to get on, out in front of our class and I had to recite the alphabet in Spanish. A, B, C, D. Oh, it was terrifying. Being in front of my classmates, you know what happened? I started crying. I mean, not like a little cute middle school boy tear running down my face. I'm talking about blubber tears. I'm talking about out of control crying. Now, if you want to move up the social ranks in middle school, that's not the way to do it. I carried that habit of tears in public speaking through high school In fact, all the way into seminary, whenever I was asked to answer a question in class or whenever I was asked to give a presentation, my voice would still shake. And finally, I went to one of my professors and I said, what am I going to do? Eventually, I'm going to have to stand up in front of people and I'm going to have to share God's word and they're not going to be excited if I'm just blubbering through the whole thing. You know what my professor said? He said, Dave, don't worry. God has gifted you for this ministry. And when you speak, people lean in. They listen. Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. So you just be faithful to the calling that God has put on your life and believe that he truly has given you the gifting you need to accomplish the ministry that he's called you to. Listen, what I want you to know this morning is that every Christian, even you, is gifted for service. And there is nothing more beautiful than the church when it is fulfilling its biblical purpose of equipping and sending people out into the harvest. And I want us to be a beautiful church, a church that is sending laborers out into the harvest in neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood. 
in school after school after school, in business after business, in gym and sports league, one after another, that you would be the people, the hands and feet of Jesus, who go out into the harvest because you've been so well equipped and gifted by Jesus for the task that he's left to his church. Many, many years ago, a man named William Carey got excited about Jesus. He was converted as a young man, and he became an ordained Baptist minister in England. And he was, was so concerned about the lost world that one at a meeting of all the Baptist pastors in his area, he stood up and he said, Hey guys, I have an idea. Maybe we should invest some of our best men to go and take the gospel to the nations. And an older man in his denomination pointed at him and said, Son, sit down. When God wants to convert the heathen, he'll do it without you or me. Oh, so ugly. It's gross to think that, that someone's theology, someone's bent would be so turned inward that it would not want to make a difference in the world. Well, William Carey wasn't deterred. He did go as a missionary to India, and he birthed the modern missions movement through which now we stand on the cusp of having reached every people group. We're so close to every people group having a ministry of a church proclaiming the gospel. We're not there yet. There's many more sacrifices that are yet to be, have to be done, but we're closer than we've ever been by God's grace because of men like William Carey. About the time William Carey was dying and going to be with Jesus, another man was born named John Patton. John Patton's experience was different than William Carey's. John Patton was a member of the Scottish Reformed Presbyterian Church, and that denomination had a heart for the New Hebrides Islands in the Pacific. And so they wanted to send a missionary team to the New Hebrides Islands. But they couldn't get anybody to volunteer. You see, 30 years earlier, two missionaries had been sent from the church in Scotland to the New Hebrides. They raised support. They got on the boat. They sailed all the way around the world. They got off the boat. You know what happened? They got clubbed to death. 30 seconds after they got off the boat, they got clubbed to death. Not surprising, they, the church was having a hard time recruiting missionaries to go to the New Hebrides. But they came up with a plan. They weren't deterred. They said at their general assembly, we, after two years, we've had enough. We want every person in our denomination, we want every pastor to give the names of the three most gifted people that they know. And we're going to put them all before the Lord in prayer and the one who has the most recommendations within the denomination is immediately going to resign his call and go as a missionary. You say, well, that's a terrible plan. Maybe, but it was a plan. It was a way to reach the nations with the gospel. Well, in the midst of their deliberations, here's what happened. Hearing the debate and feeling an intense 
interest in these most unusual proceedings, I remember yet the hushed solemnity of the prayer before the names were handed in. I remember the strange silence that held the assembly while the scrutinizers retired to examine the papers, and I remember how tears blinded my eyes when they returned to announce that the result was so indecisive, that it was clear that the Lord had not in that way provided a missionary. The cause was once again solemnly laid before God in prayer, and a cloud of sadness appeared to fall over all the synod. The Lord kept saying within me, Since none better qualified can be got, rise and offer yourself. Almost overpowering was the impulse to answer aloud, Here am I, send me. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that this morning we would hear so decisively from the Word of God that the Spirit of God would work in each of you and in me and in those online, and you would hear God say, It's you. Raise your hand. Say, Here am I. Send me. Now let's walk through 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, so we can understand the biblical truth that every Christian is gifted for service. Because there's nothing more beautiful than the church when it is equipping and sending people into the harvest. Verse 7, the end of all things is near, therefore... Be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. The end of all things is near. Listen, if you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow, how would you invest today? Would it be like when you get that reminder call that you have a dentist appointment coming up? You immediately start flossing. You immediately start brushing feverishly, hoping that you can make up for six months of lack of attention to your dental hygiene in in a few days. The end of all things is near. We are closer today to Jesus' return than we have ever been. This much I know. And none of us know the day or the time when Jesus will come again. And none of us know the day or time that Jesus will call us home. But we know we're closer now than we've ever been. If it was tomorrow. My prayer for you is this. That you would have the same attitude that one of my mentors said many years ago. I want to live my life in such a way that when I die, I change location but not companion. And earlier in the service... You heard John 15, the invitation to abide in Jesus. Did you know that there is an invitation that Jesus gives to plug into him and to be so connected to him relationally that when you die, you'll change location but not companion. And the same Jesus who will get you safely home wants to work in your life today. To make a difference in your world. Every Christian is gifted for service. 
the church, not pastors, not programs, not ministries, people connected to Jesus and to one another are the great hope for the world. You are the answer. And the end of all things is near. Therefore, be sober and prayerful. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. In every place in the New Testament, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, 14, in every place here in 1 Peter chapter 4, in every place where spiritual gifts are discussed, love is given primacy. The work of every Christian is to love, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, do you ever find it hard to love the people you love? What's the answer? Is it to try harder? Is it to say, oh, man, I know I'm supposed to love. Let me just double down, try a little harder. Maybe I'll get it next time. Or is there in Jesus Christ a source of love for you? Do you not know, Christian, how great the love the Father has lavished upon you? That you should be called children of God. And that's what you are. The answer to the difficulty you face in loving the people you love is to be loved so well by Jesus. Run back to Jesus. Let him love you so that you can love the people you love. Verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Now, every single one of you have in your possession the key to making a difference in the world. Pull out your keys and hold them up. Every single family here has at least one set of keys. Pull out your keys, hold them up. Now, you have in your possession the most powerful tool for making a difference in the world, and it's right here. It's your house key. This is your most powerful witness. When you open your home to the lost people in your neighborhood, when you open your home to other Christians to come into your home for small group, when you open your home to another person to share life with that person, it is the most powerful weapon for demonstrating the reality of Christianity. So I dare you, I double dog dare you, in the next month, Make it your goal to simply have one person into your home and show hospitality to them. Share a meal together. Share a cup of coffee. Enjoy life with another person. That 
is the number one tool you have for making a difference. And when you open your life to one another, you'll have opportunities for the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. Verse 10, each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, I want you to notice two words in this verse, a special gift and the manifold grace of God. And I want you to know that the root of both a special gift and the grace of God is the same word. It's the word charis. And our gifting is a charisma. That is a special gift, a spiritual gift, maybe the way it's translated in your Bible. And the manifold grace of God is the word charis. Now, what does that teach us? It teaches us this, that everything in the Christian life is by grace through faith in Jesus. The way that we gain entrance into the Christian life is through faith in Christ. The way we make progress in the Christian life is through faith in Christ. The way we're able and empowered to minister to one another in love is through Christ. It's all of grace. Spiritual gifting... Ministry is not something we achieve, it's something that begins when we receive spiritual power from Jesus and it comes into our lives first. It starts when we believe in Jesus for salvation as he's offered in the gospel. That's why our point this morning is that every Christian is gifted for service. And so it's important that we begin by answering the question, has Jesus moved into your life? Are you a Christian? Now in Ephesians 2, we see this relationship between our salvation and our gifting for service, maybe even more clearly. Look in Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. How is a person made a Christian? How does a person become a Christian? What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who's come to understand the disastrous effects of sin and their rebellion against God. That there is nothing that they can do in and of themselves to make themselves right with God or to bridge the gap between their sinfulness and God's holiness. And that if they are to be saved, it is only through the gift of God's grace in the work of Jesus Christ. And what is the work that Jesus Christ has done for us? Jesus Christ has lived the life that we should have lived. And through his life of, of obedience to the Father, he racked up a record of righteousness that he offers to you. He says, don't stand before me in your righteousness. It's 
garbage. Stand before me in the righteousness of my son, Jesus. It's perfect. I offer you his record of righteousness. Receive it through faith. Well, what, what's to be done about my sin? What's to be done about your sin? That's why Jesus went to the cross. In obedience to the Father, Jesus went to the cross, and on the cross, he paid the full penalty that our sins deserve so that we can be forgiven of all our sin. Jesus died in our place as our substitute. That's how sinners can receive the gift of eternal life. It's only through faith in Jesus, plus nothing. We're not saved by our good works. But when grace moves into the life, when Jesus moves into our lives, look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, then there are works that God has prepared for you, not by which we're saved, but for which we are saved. We're not saved by our works, but we're saved for work, work in the kingdom to bring others to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Have you believed? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel? If you haven't, won't you? Won't you turn from your sin and trust in Christ? And if you have, then you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Works empowered by grace. Now, verse 11 of 1 Peter 4. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. And whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, there's two gifts that are mentioned in verse 11. There are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. Whoever speaks is to do so as one speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do as one serving by the strength which God supplies. How do speaking gifts and serving gifts work together? Most people that I know who are far from God need the help of a biblical community to see who Jesus is before they're willing to listen to the biblical testimony of who Jesus is. The only way for this world to be reached is for people to come to know who Jesus is. But some people have to see Jesus through the gifts of service that are given to the church 
before they can hear about Jesus as he's described through the speaking gifts of the church in the Bible. They work together. The serving gifts open people's interest and life up to the reality of who Jesus is so that when the speaking gifts come, that's already been confirmed in their life that this makes sense. This is reasonable. I see that there are a group of people who are working out the realities of who Jesus is in their community. They have to see us serving one another and serving them before they can hear the truth of who Jesus is and believe. And listen, it all is for the glory of Jesus. It's all for the glory of God in Jesus. So that in some things, no, so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You know what that means? It means that if you're a wife or you're a husband, you're to do that for the glory of God through Jesus Christ. If you're a student or you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're a business leader, whatever you do, everything that you've been gifted with, you've been gifted with for the purpose of glorifying God through Jesus Christ. To whom belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That means that we're never all that impressed by our gifts. But we're always impressed by the glory of Jesus. We're never blown away by how great we are. But we're always blown away by by how great Jesus is. Now, let's walk through our point one more time. Every Christian is gifted for service. Every Christian. That means you and you. Every Christian who's here this morning watching online, every Christian, none of us are left out in the cold. That's really good news. NFL preseason, it's coming to a close. Maybe you've had your fantasy draft. You didn't pick every player. And not every player will make a team. But every Christian has a part to play on the team with Jesus. And every Christian is gifted. Every Christian is gifted for service, to take a humble, low position. Now, let's, let's walk through an action step. The action step for this week is to employ your gift to serve one another. Now, let me give you five things to think about. Number one, some of you are using your gift, and I just want to thank you. Thank you for using your gift, investing in the kingdom, and using your time, using your talent, using your treasure for the glory of God and the praise of Jesus to get the gospel to the nations. Thank you. Others of you, secondly, others of you are not yet using your gift 
and you're not sure what your gift is. So let me give you this encouragement. Don't ask, what is my gift? Ask, how can I serve? Don't ask the question, what is my gift? Ask the question, how can I serve? Great question. Did you know that right now, there are opportunities to serve in our kids' ministry? You say, well, I'm not good with kids. Vipers and diapers. Ugh. That's the wrong question. The question isn't, how am I gifted? The question is, how can I serve? And there is an opportunity right now for you to serve in the kids' ministry. So if you're moved to want to serve, grab your card, put your name on it with your phone number and your email, and let Lisa know that you're willing to have a conversation about how you can serve in the kids' ministry. Listen, in a few weeks, we're going to open up our small groups and invite you to step into a biblical community of 10 to 15 people, and that is the perfect place for you to serve. Look, when you look around a community of 10 to 15 people, you will see multiple opportunities for you to serve one another. And when you take that step in a few weeks of getting involved in a small group, you will have opportunities not to ask, what is my gifting, but to ask, how can I serve? So how can I serve? Step into a biblical community of 10. Get involved with the opportunities that are present to serve, like our kids' ministry. For a long time, we were telling you about opportunities to serve on the, on the tech booth, and, and there's still opportunities there. But do you know that we've had some people get added to the tech team recently, and, and one of the things that they do in the tech booth is they broadcast the service. And a few weeks ago, during the service, someone filled out the Connect card online, and they indicated that they had made a decision during the service to follow Jesus. Now, that happened because someone spoke and because someone served in the tech booth to make it possible for the message to go out online and for someone to hear about Jesus and come to faith. When we serve... Everyone wins. The lost win, and we win, and God wins. He is glorified. So, third, we develop our gifts within the body, and we deploy our gifts for the lost. The church is a test track. It's a place where we begin to test out our gifts and learn our gifts and be equipped in our gifts. But the world is the place where we seek to deploy our gifts to win the lost. The world out there, that's where we want to go, not the test track. The test track is just where we perfect our gifts, but then we deploy our gifts out there in the world once all the, the bugs have, been started, have started to be worked out. Here's a fourth thing to think about as you seek to employ your gift to serve one another. Look for giftedness in others and call it out. That's what my seminary professor did for me. He saw a gift in me and he invited me to lean into it. Look for gifting in one another and call it out. Here's how you do it. Four letters. I-C-N-U. 
I see in you a particular gifting and encouragement or prayer or witnessing or teaching or hospitality or service or helps or mercy. I see in you this gift. Listen, look at other people's lives and call out from one another the gifting that's within them. You'll never know the impact of an I see in you conversation might have in the life of another person. And then lastly, know this. We are both gifted and flawed at the same time. So we come back to Jesus again and again and again. And the most dangerous thing that you can ever do is believe that your gifting means that you don't need Jesus anymore. I will never outgrow or outgift my need for Jesus. The day that I die, I will need Jesus as much as I needed him. The day I professed faith in Jesus as a sophomore at Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina. In fact, after 30 years of walking with Jesus, I am more aware today of how much I need him than I was when I started. We are gifted Every Christian is gifted for service, but we are deeply flawed. So we come back to Jesus again and again and again for encouragement. We come back to the body for encouragement and prayer and support. My hope for you is that you will have an experience this week like Hudson Taylor experienced. Hudson Taylor, another great missionary leader from the 1800s, On Sunday, June 25th, 1865, unable to bear the sight of a congregation of a thousand or more Christian people rejoicing in their own security while millions were perishing for lack of knowledge, I wandered out on the sands alone in great spiritual agony, and there the Lord conquered my unbelief, and I surrendered myself to God for his service." I told him that all the responsibility as to issues and consequences must rest with him, that as his servants, servant, it was mine to obey and to follow him, his to direct, to care for, and to guide me, and those who might labor with me. Need I say that peace at once flowed to my burdened heart? There and then I asked him for 24 fellow workers, two for each of the 11 inland provinces which were without a missionary, and two for Mongolia. And writing the petition on the margin of my Bible I had with me, I returned home with a heart enjoying rest such as it had been a stranger to for months, and with an assurance that the Lord would bless his own work that I should share in the blessing. My prayer is that you would share in the joy of your master Jesus. And that every neighborhood in this community, from Markland to Palencia to the Oaks, every neighborhood in this community would have a witness of Christians who are equipped to open their homes and their lives, ready to share Jesus with their neighbors. That every business in this community would have a Christian 
who is equipped and ready to serve one another in love, in your business, and to be a witness for Jesus. That every school would have multiple teachers and multiple students who are ready to be multiplying disciples, ready to bear witness to Jesus. My prayer is that you would say yes to deploying your gifts for the glory of God and the praise of Jesus Christ in this community. And that you would employ your gift to serve. Let's pray. Jesus, what would you say to this people? What would you say to me? What would you say, Holy Spirit, to move amongst us. Holy Spirit, speak to every heart here. Those worshiping with us online, help us to hear your call into service. Holy Spirit, would you draw the lost to Jesus this morning? Father, if there's any here, would you draw the lost to faith in your son Jesus? And if you're here and you sense that God is drawing you toward himself, would you just simply say to him in response to that drawing, Jesus, I admit I have sinned against you in many ways and I am sorry. Jesus, I believe you died and rose again. And Jesus, I receive you as Savior and Lord. I turn from my sin and I turn to you in faith and repentance. I ask you to be Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, would you raise up multiple generations of men and women, boys and girls, young and old, who would be willing to say yes to following you, to be equipped for every good work, to become your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which you have prepared in advance for us as a church. Lord, do this to the praise of your glory and grace. In Jesus' name. Amen.